the Fantasy Football Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I'm Scott Allen. I'm Des Beeler. Happy to be here, and we will take you through all of Sunday's action as usual. Quick hitters, some uh, big performances, waiver wire, people to watch, and injuries. And unfortunately, we'll start with a big injury, Des, in the Packers-Vikings game. Aaron Rodgers going down with a broken collarbone in the first quarter. Word is that he could be out for the entire season. And Brett Hundley, his replacement, I think it's readily apparent that if you're an Aaron Rodgers owner, he may not necessarily be the replacement you look to. But what does this mean for the rest of the Packers' offense going forward? Yeah, it's uh, it does, it's bad news for the rest of the Packers' offense. I mean, it, it's bad news for the NFL in general. You know, yeah. I mean, we saw Odell Beckham go out for the season, JJ Watt last last you know last week. Now Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's three of the biggest stars yeah. in the NFL. You know, Tom Brady's still around, and I and probably will be till we're all sixty-five. Uh, but um, you know, I, I it's just a tough for the league, but obviously it's it's extremely tough for Green Bay. I mean, Brett Hundley looked a little shaky in this game. He completed eighteen of thirty-three passes for one hundred fifty-seven yards, three interceptions, did get a, a touchdown pass. I think he actually, you know, he was just thrown into this, and that's a tough spot at Minnesota. Yeah. Also, I mean, it's you know, it's a tough defense. I think he will be better, and I think I don't think the Packers' offense will just go off the rails completely. But I think you have to sort of drop everyone down a notch. You know, if if Jordy Nelson was a wide receiver one before, now he's a wide receiver two. If Devontae Adams was a wide receiver two, now maybe he's more of a flex play. And you just go on down the list. Martellus Bennett. I mean, he wasn't even a tight yeah. end one, but now I, I don't know what Droppable, you do with him. Maybe. I think you also. You know, you're, you're going to see in, in, in the games to come, maybe Hundley likes a guy better than others. Maybe he likes Devontae Adams. Maybe he maybe he likes Randall Cobb. Maybe he'll be good for him. Like, you know, it, it all remains to be seen because the kind of pass routes he's going to want to throw probably are not going to be the same as the one Aaron Rodgers favored. So, you know, it's a bit of a mystery right now, but it's definitely bad news for that offense. And, and that's a good point because the Packers, a team more than most where you could have multiple receivers being the guy week to week and Aaron Rodgers is the type of quarterback who is able to spread the wealth around so I think that's a key point to you know watch whether Hundley develops a rapport with one receiver over the other yep this is a team that was already banged up too with Ty Montgomery at running back yeah um, came back today with the bruised ribs played with a flak jacket only 28 yards Aaron Jones who had that huge debut against the the Cowboys struggled today so I mean I think their value is going to take a hit too. Yeah, I mean, in theory, the Packers could lean more on the, on the running game. You know, obviously, you, you, you think they would want to. The question is whether they're going to be able to, obviously, because you have to be able to get ahead on the scoreboard and able to run the ball in the second half. So, in theory, this could be maybe good for Aaron Jones if he, you know, because he came back, Ty Montgomery came back to this game and immediately started the game. Yeah. They pretty much split the work, but I think you could see the Packers turn into more of a ground-oriented attack, and I think that, in general, would be better for Aaron Jones. But all in all, yeah, not good for anybody there on that side of the ball. Meanwhile, for the Vikings, a big day for Jarek McKinnon, 69 yards rushing in the touchdown and also five receptions for 30 yards and a touchdown. Better day than Latavius Murray for sure. Yeah, and I think he's he's clearly the guy there. I think Latavius Murray is, is just not showing a lot. 50, I mean, he got 15 carries. He, he only yeah. turned him in for 28 yards. I mean, that is horrific. Jarek McKinnon got one more carry, did way more with him. Obviously, he was much more involved in the passing game. Clearly, the running back, uh, yeah, the running back you want to have there. Diggs was out for this game, so Thielen really stepped up. And I think Case Keenum can 
carry this offense, you know, I think, and we don't even know when Brad, Sam Bradford's going to come back. He's got an injured knee. I've heard different things on the severity of that. I, at this point, I don't think the Vikings would want to rush him back because I think Keenum's doing a pretty decent job. Not spectacular, but enough to keep the offensive float. And if Diggs comes back, I think you can, be, you can start him with confidence. You can certainly start Thielen with confidence and McKinnon. Moving on to the Redskins 49ers game. The Redskins won 26-24 behind a big day from Kirk Cousins, 330 yards passing, two touchdowns through the air. He also ran for one on a read option. And, Des, the story for me here, Chris Thompson back involved in the offense. They had the bye week last week, but two weeks ago in Kansas City after his huge start, didn't do much against the Chiefs. Today, 138 total yards, didn't find the end zone. But with Rob Kelly out, he seems like the guy in the backfield for Washington. I think so because Samaje Pirine just looks pretty shaky and uh, just has done nothing to sort of take over that job. And, you know, with Chris Thompson, it's all about the big plays. I mean, he had 16 carries and did very little with them. You said, you know, most of his yards come through the air, and yeah. you might expect that from him, but you still have to, you still, he still has to bust that, that big gainer, and he did in this game. So I think in that sense, he's, he's sort of boom or bust still, even going forward. To me, on the Redskins side of the ball, the thing I was struck with was um, Jordan Reed and Terrell Pryor continuing yeah. to just be kind of useless. I mean, Terrell Pryor is veering far. He's certainly into in Benchville at this point. I don't know how you can start him if you have him on your team. I don't think you cut him out right. But then again, what are you going to get for him in a trade? You, we just we just not seeing a lot of signs of life there. In term, I mean, he just seems like just another guy. Like he's no more valuable maybe than Ryan Grant is in this passing game. And the the tight end for the second consecutive game for the Redskins who made the explosive play for that offense was Vernon Davis. Yeah, exactly, and Vernon it, Davis. You look at 330 yards passing for Cousins and only 60 combined for Pryor and Reed. So I think that's that's a great point going forward. For the 49ers, this may not affect too many fantasy teams, but they made a QB switch from Brian Hoyer to C.J. Beathard, the rookie, uh, early in the first half. Um, Beathard didn't look great. 245 passes again, kind of thrown into the fire like Brett Hundley was. I don't think he's necessarily a waiver wire pickup. But right. the more concerning news for the 49ers, Carlos Hyde, 13 carries for 28 yards. Kyle Shanahan did shoot down speculation after the game that about him being traded, um, which might not be the best thing for Carlos Hyde and Carlos Hyde owners. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I, you know, to me, I actually felt like coming out of this game that Hyde had put a little bit of distance between himself and Matt Breida. I think going into this game, there was some thought that there would be they were in this equal timeshare. Maybe Breida was on the way up and Hyde was on the way down. And maybe Hyde's on the way out still, as you mentioned. Maybe they'll still trade him. I don't see why they wouldn't at this point. They're at seat. They're not going anywhere this season. And he's I think he's in the last year of his contract. But on the field, you know, he did some good things in the passing game, got in the end zone a couple times. Breida didn't do a whole lot. So I think for one week at least, it looked like Carla Hyde was clearly the the RB one on that team. A whole lot of points in New Orleans where the Saints beat the Lions fifty two to thirty eight. And Des, I'm not sure who's happiest about Adrian Peterson no longer being in New Orleans, if it's Peterson himself, Mark Ingram, or their respective fantasy owners. For this week, at least, i got to go with all of the above. Two yeah. touchdowns for Ingram over 100 yards, his biggest day of the season. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like Ingram could be a sell high after this game because it was such a huge outing for him. And you do have that narrative of, oh, Adrian Peterson's gone, and look what happened with Ingram immediately. Well, yeah. I don't think Ingram's going to have games like this all season. And part of it was because Nor it was such a crazy, kind of fluky game. There were five defensive slash special teams touchdowns in this game. New Orleans got up 45-10. to 10. They could run the ball, although that's not even where Ingram did most of his damage at, when they were in just you know trying to run out the clock mode at that time. But 150, 150 yards of total offense for Mark Ingram and two touchdowns, that could very well go down as his biggest game of the season. 
And, you know, so I think if you can get like a, another sort of RB1 type for him, because I still don't quite see him in that tier, but clearly mm-hmm. good things for him, him and Kamara. And, you know, if you said like the Saints would score 52 games and Drew Brees would throw for 186 yards and two touchdowns, I think his owners would be rather disappointed in that. Absolutely. I'm, I clicked on this box score. I didn't see any of this game. I see the 52 points and I scroll down and see Michael Thomas had what <laughs> right. three catches for 11 three yards. Three catches for something? 11 yards. Yeah, he did nothing. The Lions had a, a big day from Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. Almost identical lines there, 96 yards receiving and a touchdown. Uh, Jones, though, had one fewer catch despite being targeted seven more times. Yeah, I, not, not a ton pops out to me from the Lions side of things. Matthew Stafford was a little, I would say, a little bit shaky. Three, three touchdown passes, three interceptions. Amir Abdullah, as usual, <laughs> let it, disappointed his owners slightly. Uh, and Eric Ebron, I mean, he should not be on any roster right now. If you haven't cut him by now, please, God, cut him. He's not even the number one tight end in his own team. That's Darren <laughs> Fells, for what it's worth. One catch for nine yards for Ebron. How about Jay Cutler? There's there's fighting the old uh, gunslinger yet there. Two second-half touchdowns to lead the, the Dolphins back from a 17-0 deficit against the Falcons. Miami wins 20-17. to Maybe less surprising than, than Cutler's uh, big second half. Finally, Jay Ajayi. Props to you if you're able to uh, buy low on him after his struggles early in the year. 130 yards rushing for Ajayi. That's as many as he had in his previous three games combined. Yeah, I, you know, it was surprising, too, because the Dolphins got out to that lead, and you're thinking, okay, well, the Dolphins are going to have to throw here, but they right. were able to stay in the game, and the Falcons basically stopped scoring after that, so the Dolphins were able to just pound it with Ajayi. I, I don't think Cutler looked very good in this game, <laughs> and, the, and the final numbers indicate that. And Ajayi, he's, he looks like he's just sort of a volume guy, so you almost have to like try to figure out how the game is going to go. You know, in week one, it was the same thing. He got a ton of volume, and so far we haven't seen him bust big plays. We still haven't seen him get in the end zone. Uh, so if I'm an Ajayi owner, I'm somewhat mollified but not thrilled about this. And if I'm you know, a Matt Ryan owner, I'm, I'm concerned about his spiral continuing because he just hasn't been the same guy this year. And if you're a Cutler owner, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do Granted, not be, yeah, don't be a Cutler owner. Devontae <laughs> Parker was out. He threw touchdown passes to Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills. Can we talk about Julio Jones for a second? I feel like yeah. we talked to him about him a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, his line is fine, 6 for 72, but – he failed to score for the fifth straight game. I mean, Ajayi was in that. We were talking about him as biggest bust of the year. Yep. Jones continues to creep higher and higher up that uh, list. I mean, he's not. He's, he's he hasn't scored a touchdown. Yeah. It's really hard to have big games when you don't get in the end zone. And like I said, the targets haven't exactly been stellar either. That whole passing. It looks like they miss Kyle Shanahan. The thing about Matt Ryan, of course, is that. Entering last season, he was seen as sort of a just-okay quarterback, and then he had this magical right. season. Well, that was patently unsustainable. So maybe now the Falcons are back to being what you know what they should have been all along. You know, I I I think Julio Jones is actually a buy low candidate because he has no touchdown. Like he's going to get in the end zone a little bit. I mean, he may be yeah. sort of a modern day Andre Johnson in the in this like great yardage, great skills guy who just for whatever reason just doesn't seem to get in the end zone as much as people think he should. But I think the rest of the way we can expect him to score. So you know, if you can get if you can get Julio Jones for anything less than another wide receiver one, I think that's a good deal to try to make. Buy him before that three hundred yard game is what you're saying. It's coming, yeah. Or maybe a three touchdown game. Who knows? <laughs> something something big is coming for him. I think. The Bears beat the Ravens 27-24, to and Chicago may have found its quarterback of the future. No, not Mitch Trubisky, but Tariq Cohen, who, <laughs> on some right. trickeration, threw a 21-yard touchdown pass to Zach Miller. Trubisky, not a great day, didn't throw a lot, because Jordan Howard does 36 carries for the Bears running back, 167 yards, a big day for him. 
Yeah, I mean, in, in an ugly game, it was you know it was a thing of beauty for Jordan Howard owners because the Bears were in this game the whole way and they were just able to pound Howard over and over again. He averaged four point six yards per carry, so it wasn't it wasn't just volume alone that got him that yardage. He looked really good. He looked very much like the workhorse. Tariq Cohen owners who may have been panicking a little, a little bit after his slow uh, past couple weeks and also like just not getting the ball a lot. And then we yeah. saw way too much Benny Cunningham last week. He he would disappear this time. Cohen got a lot of touches. If it weren't for that touchdown pass, though, he wouldn't have done a lot with them. But hey, you'll you'll take a trick play any day of the week. And Baltimore remains one of the more difficult teams to figure out, not only from a fantasy standpoint, but you know they're three and three now. They've got shutout wins. They look terrible one week. Um, great. They, they the generally no, no. They generally look terrible. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking back to the the shutout of the Bengals. They beat up on a on a bad Raiders yeah. team. Yeah. But fantasy wise, I mean, Alex Collins. Look at these numbers. None of these are useful. Alex Collins, 15 carries for 74 yards. Buck Allen, 10 carries, less than 50 yards. Joe yep. Flacco looks awful. Yeah. I mean, he, Chris he Moore. Who is Chris Moore, the uh, leading receiver? You, you got me with that one. Yeah. I don't know. It's it. You know, you, you think you've got every name covered in the book when you when you follow fantasy the way we do and then something like that happens i mean three it's only three catches 44 yards so yeah i just think there's not a lot to hang your hat on with this ravens offense you know buck allen looked like uh, like a, a fairly legit rb2 and maybe he still will be i mean 10 10 carries for 49 and it's a 4.9 yards per carry average collins aver- actually averaged the same thing but they just couldn't sustain drives and it's just a very more abundant offense so i think both those guys are, are flex plays for the time being the Patriots beat the Jets 24-17. to 17. Rob Gronkowski, two touchdowns receiving. That should have been matched by Austin Safarian Jenkins, who wound up with one. Des, I'm just going to see the floor here and let you talk about uh, <laughs> one of the worst replays that we've seen calls on a replay in recent NFL history and fantasy I, implications. It's my I just don't know how something like that gets overturned. It's mind-boggling. Like there were cuz there were two parts of it where he where he could where you could reasonably have ruled that he scored, right? Cuz he it's ran into Jenkins, yeah. yeah, he didn't catch the ball in the end zone. He caught the ball ahead of the end zone, ran into the end zone, hit the pylon, then appears to lose the ball after that, then appears to get it back as he hits the ground. Yeah, the whole thing is is really frustrating. And I don't even understand the touchback rule. I mean, why is it that if you fumble anywhere else in the field, and the other team doesn't get the fumble, like it just goes out of bounds. You keep the ball. So why yeah. is it any different in the end zone? If you fumble going into the end zone, just give them the ball at the one or whatever. It seems like it seems so harsh to give the other team the ball just because a guy happened to fumble in that part of the field. Like especially when you know all you have to do is sort of wave the ball in the general direction of the end zone half the time to, yeah. to be given a touchdown. In, in a lot of cases, you know. So yeah, I don't get that at all. It's super frustrating for Jenkins owners. Although he still got you another touchdown. And in general, if you're an owner of ASJ, you're pretty happy. He's getting a yeah. lot. He got 11 targets today. Uh, you know, so he's you know he's a favorite of Josh McCown, and I think he's a tight end one going forward. The Texans blew out the Browns, thirty-three to seventeen. Deshaun Watson remains awesome, and the NFL teams who needed a QB and passed on him in the draft, hi Browns, <laughs> remain the, the Jets for that man. Not awesome. Uh, another three touchdowns for Watson. He's got fifteen now to lead all quarterbacks. People who didn't look so hot for the for the Texans in this route: Lamar Miller, fifteen carries for forty-one yards. Uh, Dante Foreman looked a little bit better, 12 for 59. And in other news for the Texans, Will Fuller caught another touchdown pass. That's five <laughs> on eight receptions this year. I know. That that make that alone makes him a sell-high candidate. I mean, I'm sorry. This just is not sustainable. He has eight catches since he returned to the NFL, and he has five touchdowns on those eight catches. No one can sustain that sort of pace. Now, maybe he'll get more catches because it's you know he hasn't had a lot, but it's not a very prolific passing attack. They don't want it to be anyway. So I think, I think Fuller's a sell-high uh, Foreman looked better than Miller in this game. Like last week, I think we had a finally a Lamar Miller sighting. He's back to being disappointing. And I think if Foreman's out there, 
on waiver wires, he should be picked up because at the very least he's the backup there, and if Miller gets hurt, he gets in the game, and he might just supersede him anyway. We've talked about finding fantasy gold on bad teams because, you know, somebody has to get the ball, but I'm having a really hard time with the Browns, Des. I mean, Isaiah Crowell was his usual self, 58 yards rushing. And then you look at the receivers. I picked up Ricardo Lewis in a few leagues. I did too. <laughs> I touted him on Wednesday. I think and that's then... probably why. <laughs> oh, no, think... <laughs> sorry. I apologize. Yeah, that, That's what we both get, right? Three catches for 25 yards. He did get seven targets, which isn't bad. Fine, but, but look at his competition. Cason Williams, <laughs> yeah, four receptions for 41 yards, only slightly better. I mean, the one touchdown from Kevin Hogan went to some guy named Seth the Valve. Yeah, uh, it's Kevin Hogan may not be the starter next week. I, I, I could see Deshaun Kaiser coming back into this game. Hogan was pretty terrible. He looked great last week in replacement of Kaiser, but he was pretty awful in this game. And, you know, I, he, I don't think he represents the future in Cleveland, so they might as well put Kaiser back in the lineup. You know, you mentioned Crowell. Not bad, actually, because he had 12 carries for 58 yards. That's 4.8 yards per carry. It's the first time he's gone over 4.0 <laughs> yards per carry in the season. All I'm saying is it, Crowell's been so bad this season, that actually constitutes a sign <laughs> of life from him. So I would take this game as a positive for whatever that's worth. Take those 5.8 points and run with it. Moving on to the afternoon games, the Steelers beat the Chiefs, and it was really behind Le'Veon Bell. 32 carries for 184 yards and a touchdown. Antonio Brown had a big game, eight catches for 155, 51 of those on a wacko uh, deflection touchdown. Uh, If you haven't seen it, go check that out. But big games from those two. The other thing that stuck out to me from the Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster, who was kind of a popular waiver wire pickup the last few weeks, he had a quiet game, even though Big Ben kind of bounced back. Three catches for Schuster. Yeah, uh, it was. this was definitely uh, the big stars showed up for, for the Steelers, right? Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown showed why they deserve to get taken at the tops of drafts. Interestingly, this stat came from ESPN. It was the first time that Brown and Bell have or that Browns had 150 receiving yards in the same game that Le'Veon Bell has had 150 rushing yards. You might have thought that would happen at least once before. But essentially, yeah, those two were the offense. And with Antonio Brown, I mean, this is why you can make a case for him being the number one pick in fantasy every single year because he's just, you know, he's just so consistent and he's such a rock for fantasy. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger predictably didn't have that great of a day, although... You know, for a guy who said maybe I don't have it anymore last week, Better it looked like he still picks. had it. Yeah, yeah, and then it's tough play at Kansas City, so you know, tough place to play. But basically, he threw for 252 yards, and Brown had 155 of them. I mean, he was the receiving offense. So you know, those those two are you can be started with confidence every single time. They they showed why. And speaking of consistency, in a game that didn't feature a lot of offense, Kareem Hunt owners had to at least be happy that he salvaged something. Absolutely. He went over 100 total yards for the sixth straight game to start his career. Um, much better performance than Travis Kelsey, only four catches for 37 yards, and Tyree Kill, 25 total yards for him today. Yeah, I, you know, I think with with Kareem Hunt, I mean, this is just you like to see this actually. He has a down game in the running in the running game, nine for 21, nine carries for 21 yards, but he gets it done through the air. So the guy is getting it done. Okay, he didn't get in the end zone, but he broke a bunch of tackles. Looked very dangerous to me. Clearly, still the centerpiece of that offense. If you want to worry, if you're you know if you're a Chiefs fan or have a piece of this offense, Alex Smith looked pretty mortal in this game, and I think we've been kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with him because he's been playing so well this season. And here we saw a fairly mediocre Alex Smith. So next week will be interesting to see if he kind of bounces back and reestablishes himself as a top fantasy quarterback, or if this we look back on that week and say, oh, this is when he came back to earth. Jared Goff only threw for 124 yards and a touchdown, but the Rams beat the Jaguars 27-17 to in Jacksonville. Doug Gurley, a big day for the Los Angeles Rams with 23 carries for 116 yards. Um, also, if you started the Rams D, you're happy. Not as not as big a day as the, as the Saints defense, but a pair of special teams defensive touchdowns uh, for Los Angeles in this game. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think that's, you know, you don't see big numbers on either side because both teams, A, don't, they don't want, I mean, they would like, love to score defensive touchdowns and just pound the ball. You know, you have Fournette on one side, you have Gurley on the other. The teams would be happy if they could just give them the ball all day long. And then certainly the Rams were happy to do that for the most part in this game. Goff only threw it uh, 21 times, completed 11 times. Uh, Sammy Watkins had just one catch for 11 yards. So, I, I, you talk, I mean, he's, I, he's very, very close to droppable. It's, it's really appalling what's happened to him. Although, against the Jaguars, it's kind of predictable. I think the concern with Fournette is he had an ankle injury in the fourth quarter. You know, he, he ran for 75 yards on his first touch of the game, and his owners had to be just in, in seventh heaven at that point. And he went on to, like, put up some, some good numbers, but that, that injury is going to need to be monitored. It looked pretty bad when it happened. And actually, I think just hearing it described as an ankle injury and questionable return was a huge relief because it looked worse than that when it happened. And you may not be picking up someone like Chris Ivory until you hear that is that Fournette's injury is serious. But what do you make of this nine catches for 74 yards for him? Ten targets today does. Yeah, I think it makes him very much worth picking up, almost regardless of what happens with Fournette. Obviously, if Fournette is out, then Ivory's a must pick up and will be the top guy in waiver wires. Uh, but even even still, like he's the other element of this offense. I mean, they, obviously Ivory's getting it done. It's funny, kind of funny to see him do it through the air this time. I mean, I think we think of Chris Ivory as more like a bigger, you know, a, run, like a guy who runs the ball to get his yards and is kind of between the tackles guy. But look, I mean, if, if he's going to get 10 targets, I mean, that anybody who gets 10 targets, you want to add in fantasy. I don't think we're going to see that every time. But I do think this offense wants to be as conservative as possible. Ivory has always been a very talented guy. And maybe in a, in a secondary role where he's, he doesn't have as much chance of injury, you know, maybe that's good for him. The Chargers beat the Raiders on a last-second field goal. Melvin Gordon, the big fantasy star in this one, 83 yards rushing in the touchdown, added 67 yards receiving in the touchdown. His big year continues, and there was a Hunter Henry sighting, five catches for, for 90 yards for the second-year tight end. Um, that kind of came at Keenan Allen's expense. Quiet day for him, only 45 yards receiving. Yeah, and, and Antonio Gates only had one target, and we saw this start to happen last week against the Giants. Hunter Henry appears to be moving well ahead in that competition. It, it took five weeks, and no one's quite sure why, but you know, Hunter Henry, who, who you know, going into the season, you thought, yes, he would be the 1A to Antonio Gates' 1B, and it finally seems like it, you know, that's definitely happened. So Henry owners have to be very happy with this outcome. Melvin Gordon continues to annoy me. I have downplayed him at every turn. You just can't argue with the, uh, the work he's getting. I mean, 20, 83 yards rushing on 25 carries is, again, woefully inefficient. But so what, right? He gets the end Touchdowns. zone on the ground. He get, yeah, he had 12 targets through the air, nine catches, 67 yards, and touchdown. If he, yeah, if he's going to get that kind of work, he's finding the end zone. He's obviously an elite running back just by nature of, of those, the numbers he's able to compile. He's a compiler, but that works in fantasy. <laughs> Not a compiler for the Raiders and somebody who's been frustrating his owners all year, Amari Cooper. Five catches for 28 yards for him today. Michael Crabtree had the lone receiving touchdown for the Raiders. Derek Carr did not look great in his return. No, he looked shaky. And, I mean, for Amari Cooper, this counts as an explosion, right? I mean, five catches for 28 yards. Whoa, you know, like, slow slow down there, Amari. Uh, You know, Marshawn Lynch... Did you know he only got 13 carries, ran for 63 yards, 4.8 yards on the ground. Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington did almost nothing in this game. So I had been thinking maybe that Marshawn Lynch was going to be eclipsed in this offense, particularly by Jalen Richard, who I like a lot. And I, I still think Oakland needs to do a better job of incorporating him into the offense. But this was a bit of an odd game. And again, Carr, yeah, I think looked a little bit shaky in his return. So you know, I don't know how much we can take from it going forward, except that Amari Cooper still continues to be unstartable. A wild one in the desert where the Cardinals beat the Buccaneers 38-33. to And this game was wild, Des. Larry Fitzgerald over 100 yards in the first half. 
Jameis Winston left with a shoulder injury, and Ryan Fitzpatrick nearly led a miraculous comeback. We saw the first Harvard man to Harvard man touchdown, <laughs> Fitzpatrick to Cameron Brait. But the biggest story of the day, and we alluded to this earlier, Adrian Peterson happy in his new home. 26 carries, 134 yards, and two touchdowns. Where did this guy come from? Well, I, th- I think he, he just, it was a very small sample size in New Orleans, and I don't think it was fair to say that he was bad in New Orleans. He just didn't get a lot of opportunities in the you know, in, in the opportunities he got, he obviously didn't do a ton with. But there was some stuff on film. I saw some analysts out there who were pointing out, like, hey, look, you know, the, physically it doesn't look like he's lost it. Like, you still see his quick cuts. You still see a little bit of the explosion. And, you know, I guess the Cardinals saw that too. But what was funny was, I mean, the Cardinals just couldn't run block to save their lives. But all of a sudden, like, they were opening holes. You know, Peterson was hitting them. I, I, and this against a Buccaneers run defense that was ranked third in the league coming into this game. So, I mean, it wasn't against some, some pushover. So a very impressive performance. Uh, it apparently it came at the complete expense of Andre Ellington, who had one target and zero touches, which as an Ellington owner in a couple leagues, I'm, I'm kind of panicked by. I actually think he'd be a good buy low. Not that he's, not that he's sort of a, a league winner anyway. Like he's more of like a, in, he, first of all, only in PPR leagues. But, you know, I think he'd be a good buy low because I don't necessarily think this game script is going to unfold this way every time. I don't think Peterson's going to run this well every time. You know, the Cardinals were ahead the whole time, so they really didn't need yeah. to throw that much. Carson Palmer had a season low at 22 uh passes, completed 18 of them. He had a really nice day, but super efficient, which isn't exactly what we've seen from him so far this season. So, you know, I think with Peterson, you definitely have to look at him as an RB2, not an RB1 yet. I think this offense needs to prove it can can do this consistently. But for sure, you know, I think he put himself on the map as a startable player until we see otherwise. And you'll want to monitor Winston's injury if if you own him. But I I think if you're a Mike Evans or a Cameron Braid owner, you got to take some solace in the fact that even though Tampa Bay was playing from behind, and Fitzpatrick's numbers were probably inflated, 290 yards, three touchdowns. He looked pretty good with with those receivers. I mean, Mike Evans in a tough matchup with Patrick Peterson uh, had three catches for 95 yards and a uh, touchdown. I mean, this, this is part of the cycle of life with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And anybody who wants to go to WatchPost.com can read my <laughs> little post on the, the curse of Ryan Fitzpatrick, wherein every time he's a backup quarterback, which has been a lot in his career, the starter inevitably gets injured. He inevitably <laughs> comes in, looks good for a little while, then gets benched. You know, so it was not a shock to see him come in and light it up. And like I said, the, the Bucks were in comeback mode anyway. They were in fling it all over the place mode. I don't necessarily think that Ryan Fitzpatrick, if if Winston is out for an extended period of time, I don't think that will, you know, I, I think it'll be bad for their offense. Not that Winston is, was having like an incredibly good season, yeah. but sure, for one game, you, you know, you'll absolutely take it. And I think my big takeaway for the Bucks is Cameron Brait just continues to be a major part of this passing attack. You know, he had uh, eight targets, six catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. And, you know, he's, he's a tight end one. Real quick, on the Thursday night game, the Eagles beat the Panthers 28-23. We saw Carson Wentz return to his solid early season self, three touchdown passes. Nelson Aguilar with a touchdown reception for the Eagles. Uh, what stood out to you, if anything, from this game, Des? Well, I definitely liked Wentz getting it done on the road versus a, versus a good defense. That was impressive. He didn't throw for a ton of yards, but three touchdowns, zero interceptions. You'll definitely take that. Um, on the other side of the ball, it, the the Panthers just couldn't run the ball. I mean, except for Cam Newton, you know, he he reverted to old Cam in this game. You know, he had uh, 11 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jonathan Stewart was completely awful on the ground. Also had a ball bounce through his hands for an interception. So a really bad game for him. I don't, not that I think a lot of people were starting Jonathan Stewart, but he was getting a lot of work, and I think he was. He was in the sort of RB2 conversation just because of the volume he was getting. So we'll have to see if this poor of a game maybe gets him benched a little bit or gets Christian McCaffrey on the field a little bit more. McCaffrey did some good things through the air. 
Uh, Calvin Benjamin did some nice things as well through the air. So, you know, Devin Funch is kind of disappointed, but he got nine targets. So you like to see that. And I think he remains a wide receiver, too, at, at this point in time. So some big injuries to watch headed into Monday. Any other final takeaways, Des, from a pretty wild week, not only in the NFL from a, a outcome standpoint, but fantasy-wise? I mean, I, I think Brett Hundley is going to be an interesting guy on in waivers because you know, they have so many weapons there. It's such a well-coached team. You know, the Green Bay sort of has had these quarterback has been able to train these quarterbacks well. We've seen other guys emerge from as from backup status over the years and do pretty well. And he's looked good in the preseason. So you know, I think he will be a guy that's picked up in a, on a lot of leagues and you know would would make for an interesting speculative play going forward. And certainly, anyone who owns a piece of that offense has to just pray that he's at least competent. Well, there you go. Uh, a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You should check out all of our great fantasy football content on WashingtonPost.com. And as always, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Scott S. Allen. I'm at Des Beeler. See ya.